0: Come on, amen. Take your uh, Bible, and uh, we're continuing today in Luke uh, chapter 12. I've entitled, The Message, Jesus is Coming Again. Thank you for your prayers uh, for Faithy, as uh, she has had uh, her surgery this past week, and uh, I will tell you that it turned out to be much more uh, involved and much more painful than she ever thought it would be, and, uh, and that I, and we've, I've told to some of you <laughs> the men's fraternity on Wednesday night, we figured it out. They probably don't tell you everything for a reason, right? You ever see in a baseball game, they give you the number of no shows, you know, like 15,000 didn't show up today. There'd probably be a lot of that down at Holy Spirit Hospital. Well, we uh, only had like 15 no shows today. They didn't show up for <laughs> surgery. But uh, she's, uh, she's been in pain, and around the clock on the good pain medicine, and uh, I've been Nurse Terry at home and uh, trying not to overdose her on, uh, on drugs. But uh, yesterday was a good day in the afternoon. She said to me, can, I, can you take me for a ride? That was a big, that was a big event in our home. So uh, I kind of packed her up and put her in the car. In fact, that's where I was, Mark, when you called me. <laughs> uh, she wanted to go for a ride in the country. And I'm like, wow, this is a big step and came back and put her in bed then. It was a big outing, you know, <laughs> but uh, bit by bit by bit. doctor was happy for the surgery and everything he saw. I um, uh, won't know the official biopsy report, but he had every reason to think it would be good, and, uh, and so on. So thank you for your prayers. We actually had two surgeries, uh, another one in our family, even this week in Pittsburgh at the same time. Wow, when it, uh, it rains, it pours. So uh, thank you for your... <laughs> prayers for uh, for us. Well, Jesus is coming again. You know, when I was a boy, I'd sit in our church, First Baptist Church, North Tonawanda, New York. Uh, it was a great gospelizing church in that day uh, in the greater Buffalo area. Uh, we had a mission that every door by, uh, can you believe it, 74, that we sent out teams to knock on every door in that city and give them literature, inviting folks uh, to the Lord, inviting folks to uh, uh, to Sunday school and the worship. And we would go out on Tuesday night and uh, do that. And I have, uh, did that a number of times and have a lot of stories about that. And uh, it was a real vision for the city. And I, I, I remember, and I was in kind of an unchurched family, my father not being saved, and my mother saved at nine and burdened that her babies be dedicated. And in Sunday school, and uh, I thank the Lord for that, and, uh, and so on. But well, I remember sitting there, uh, looking at our bulletin, and on our bulletin, and on the front of the church, for a little boy to sit there and look at, and look at the bulletin, were these words, the book, the blood, and the blessed hope. And the pastor would always say, if you want to know who we are, this is who we are. It's the book, that's the Bible, it presents Jesus, the blood, it's his sacrificial substitutionary death. And the blessed hope is what we're looking forward to. The book, the blood, and the blessed hope. How many of you have heard that expression? It is a common expression about three of us. And for a little boy there, a little boy there, it really sunk deeply into my heart as to what is a church, what is a Christian, the book, the blood. In the blessed hope, we just celebrate the Lord's Supper, and we emphasize, rightfully so, it's the blood of Jesus that washes us of all our sin. Gone, 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 gone. All my sins are gone. Isn't that great? We sing that old gospel song, and we ought to sing it with joy. All of it, past, present, and future. Wow. Isn't that great? Now you can really live, Jesus said. Paul said it. Wow. To be set forth in the liberty, stand fast in the liberty wherein Christ has set you free. But today, we're going to look at the third. The blessed hope. The blessed hope. You know, it's just not like Monopoly. Put the stuff in the box, put the money, collect it, box closed, that's it. Game done, life done, that's it. I got news for you. The best is yet to come. It is the blessed hope. And 21 centuries of the church, godly men and women like yourself have looked forward. Even Paul thought he had the expectation that Jesus would come in his life. The blessed hope. Now, hope in our day is a very weak word. We just say it's weak. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope I win the lottery. I hope, I hope, I hope, you know, cross all my fingers and hope to die. People think like that, right? I hope, it's not that. It's a confident expectation, the blessed hope. And Jesus is going to teach us about that today in my message I've entitled, Jesus is Coming Again. Chapter 12, verse 35. Let's listen to the word of the Lord, 35 through 48. Jesus speaking, Stay dressed for action, and keep your lamps burning, and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch, that's 9 p.m. to midnight, or the third watch, that's midnight to 3 a.m., and finds them awake, blessed... Are those servants? But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find him so doing when he, when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, My master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, Will receive a light beating everyone to whom much was given of him much will be required, and from him to whom they entrusted much they will demand the more. Well, Jesus is coming again when i was a when I was a boy, uh, I would spend endless hours and i 'm talking about maybe fourth grade, fifth grade, third grade, fourth grade, right around that time. Uh, on a Friday night, typically, on our street uh, with neighborhood guys. We just kind of hung out. It wasn't like today, like, oh, no, you can't go outside, you know, the boogeyman or something. No, get out of the house. My mother kicked us out, and we we had to figure out things to do. And one of the things that we would often do on Friday night is that we would play a game called hounds and deers. Hounds and deer. And that is, uh, one person would be it, IT would be it, and they would go to, typically, the streetlight pole and close their eyes, lean up against the pole, and count out loud to a hundred. He was the hound. All the rest of us were the deer. We would scatter like men. All over the block and blocks around Bennett Street. And I knew some really great hiding places. On the roofs, garages, under porches. I could hear what was going on inside people's houses as we scattered, probably eight, 10, 12 of us around the block and a half, two blocks, Stanley Street, Evans Street, Bennett Street, and uh, he would to 98, 99, 100. And he'd say this, ready or not, here I come. Ready or not, here I come. Well, I say all that because as Jesus prepares, and that's what he's doing, he's preparing his his disciples, as he's making this last journey to Jerusalem for his important date with Calvary's cross, he's been preparing his disciples. We've been watching that. And in fact, Peter tunes right into that. If you saw that, uh, he's wondering, Lord, is this teaching for us, the disciples, or is it for everybody? Good question, Peter. He's preparing them because he knows he's coming. His death is coming, his resurrection, his ascension. He is going to be absent from them. And he's still absent bodily from us, his church. And he's going to tell them how they are supposed to live during this, his absence. He calls us, as he called them, to live every day looking for his coming. That should be a part of our expectation. You see, he came once, and we're going to celebrate that in a big way. Appreciate Susan Rosemary getting all the Christmas decorations up. It gets us uh, excited, looking for Christmas. And of course, we celebrate his first coming. The Advent means his coming. The Bible prophesies that all the way through, looking to even the family and the place and the time where he would be born, and the character of his ministry, and all of that. The Bible prophesied that. And he came exactly, and there were a few that were looking and waiting. Remember Simeon in the temple, and Anna, and others, right? They were looking for him. Well, just as the scriptures talk about the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, it talks about his second coming. And Jesus is preparing now his disciples and us for this coming. And when he comes in the cloud, it's almost as if he says, ready or not, Jesus is coming. And it's not a game of hounds and deer, but it's the book, the blood, and the blessed hope of the church that looks forward with great expectation for certainly The best is yet to come. You see, we live in between now. Did you know that? You say, well, I thought I lived on this street or in that house or in this age or I'm an American. Well, technically, that's probably right. But you live between the advents, between the two comings. That's the address. That's the epoch or time that you and I live. We live now. How do we do that? Jesus is going to say, Keep one eye glued to the sky, keep the other one fixed here. Be watchful, be faithful, I'm coming again. I came once, I'm coming again. Be ready. Now, I wasn't a very good Boy Scout. Some of you guys, Mark and Dave, and some of you, (laughs) you guys were real, the real deal. John, were you a Scout? No? Some of you guys were, uh, I was... uh, I was first class, had a few merit badges, but I do remember the Boy Scout motto, be prepared, right? Is that right, Mark? I better check with my real scouts here. <laughs> be prepared, right? That's what, and essentially what the Lord is saying to the disciple. Now, if you got it and you really hold on to it tight, you can probably leave now because he's, he, that's all he's going to say. Live preparing for my coming. For it's going to come and there are going to be many that miss it. Don't let that be you, and in fact, be watchful and be faithful to carry out your stewardship that I've given to you. And so in our text that we read, there are really two brief parables. Parables are a little story teaching a spiritual truth. Two parables urging you and I to be ready for the second coming of Jesus. He came once in weakness as the suffering servant to make the payment for sin, but don't be confused. He will not come that way the second time. Triumphant our our commander in chief, the husband of the church, the Lord of glory, the Shekinah glory of God, the captain of the Lord of the Lord's host, the Lord himself will come. He will come for us. It is certain the day is already identified uh, the, the the thing with Harold camping is God hasn't told Harold camping when that day would be. In fact, when Harold figured out he, in his mind when Jesus was coming, I went right to this text. No man knows the day nor the hour. In a parallel text, I go like, well, if Harold thinks it's that in public, well, one thing we know for sure, it's not then. It's not then. It might be the second before or the second after. But, uh, but at least this. Harold's had a hot tough time these days after, and he's trying to regroup and refigure again. I read that. But here's the thing, though. You have to love him. And this much, he's looking for the bodily return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's not beat him up too much. I mean, the, the church did kind of whack him pretty good. And he has some aberrant theology, that's for sure. But at least he's, he's looking in the sky. He just got the date wrong. The Lord has kept that, uh, the Father has kept that to himself, but it's certain. Well, the first parable, in verses 35 to 40, Jesus really tells us as Christians, we must be watchful. Watchful for his return. For Jesus' return at a time when most of us will not be expecting him. Now, the parable describes a scene in which several servants of the house were waiting for their master, the Lord of the manor, to return from a wedding banquet. Now, the weddings in the East, in the Middle East, in the far, they're a huge event. Huge event. Remember the marriage feast at Canaan, John chapter 2. Jesus was there, and they ran out of wine, and his first miracle there is a sign gift to the disciples. Remember that? His mother came. It's not my hour now. Goony. Goony is the Greek word for woman. He calls Mary. It wasn't disrespectful. It wasn't sometimes. But it is a fun word to say. Goony is the Greek word for woman. I don't know why I remember that one so long and so well. Goonie, his mother. He didn't know no, he didn't call her mother at that point, did he? But their weddings went on and on. Weddings in our life have been great times of celebration. Uh, it's one of the high watermarks, you know, enjoy life. Enjoy life with your wife and your family, if God should give you that. And, and at points of weddings and celebration, they're great. And, and I look across, and I, and, I, and I remember different weddings and different occasions with your different family members, and they stand out, pressed between the pages of our minds. So many days are indistinguishable, but there are those high points. And, and the two weddings we've had, with Sarah's wedding and then David's I shall never forget Unless I fall hit my head and lose my mind, I will never forget them. And they were glorious days. You know, it wasn't one night. Typically in the Middle East, it's a week. Now imagine that. Some of you have given your daughters away. Like, how many people and how many days and how many meals do I have to feed these people? And that's what it was. And that's one of the reasons they ran out of drink there at Canaan. This thing went on and on and on. And they celebrated. They partied hardy. So it wasn't like you know the master's home and the parable here's well you know they'll they'll say their vows at four you know take pictures and you know they drive around hit the horn there in Galilee let everybody know just married and then go up to the reception and then they got the uh, the toast and then ah nine forty five I'll be home ah they didn't know if it was next Tuesday maybe it's Monday maybe it's Friday they didn't know they would be ready. They, then they all go, oh, yeah, we understand that. The Lord took that right out of common life, the master teacher, and calling us, calling them, really, to be ready. And, and when the master would come home in his chariot or walking or however on his steed, right, they were to keep the home fires burning. Even if he came home at, at an ungodly hour, 3 a.m., what are you doing? My mother to say, nothing good happens after 11 Get yourself home. I told Ron and Dee that this week. They're going out on, on a date. Can you imagine? I said, home by 11. I said something like that, didn't I? Home by 11 or something. You know, like, yeah, right. They just kind of look say, he's lost his mind. But, uh, you know, uh, and so it was really a late hour, maybe. Be ready, be expecting, be looking. The home fire's lit. Jesus is and he can easily visualize what he's talking about. And so the master comes home. He's going to walk up to the path. The gateway's locked. They need someone to unlock it. They need to light it. And then the servants in the house there care for his every need. Maybe as he walked up to the house, he hadn't gotten enough at the wedding, the feast, the multiple days, and he sat there wondering, you know, well, I wonder what kind of late-night snack my my, my help is, my dear, dear servants, maybe there's chocolate chip cookies on the table with some hot chocolate, and who knows, maybe he didn't get enough to eat at the wedding. And the, he, was, he was used to such quality care from his joyful household servants that uh, they would be ready, turn the light on, open the door to meet his every whim and woe. That's the picture. That's the picture. You ever eat at a real good restaurant? It's really uncomfortable. I, I have a, had occasion at times uh, in faraway places, and here to to do that, where you go in and they treat you like your royalty, right? They take your coat. You don't even. You're afraid to move a little bit because they're putting napkins in your lap. You whoa, what are you doing? Down? Yeah, putting a napkin down there. You know, and all these kind of. They're moving stuff around and all that. You like whoa? It's like your royalty. They take care of your every whim and whoa. And, that, and some of you, you know, you're always at McDonald's. You have no idea what I'm talking about, but it does happen. And that's the picture here of the servant. He's used to such sweet, wonderful care, and he's walking over from this wedding. And it's been days. And will they be ready for us? And, Je- and Jesus is. And we, we know enough forward of the gospel. Jesus is in, puts himself in the picture here. You see it. That's Jesus here. He's coming back. Will his servants be waiting? I'm kind of jumping ahead, but you can see it there. He's looking and 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 waiting. Well, likewise. Jesus tells us to be ready for his return. We are to live with a full expectation of his coming. Full expectation every single day. Wow. And if we'll do that, he pronounces a blessing. In fact, he says it twice, verse 37 and 38. Blessed are those servants. God himself, the creator God, blesses his creatures. Blesses us. What a blessing to be blessed by our Maker, our Redeemer. If we're what? We're just watching and waiting and faithful and serving. Even if it's at some ridiculous hour, like 3 in the morning, that's what the third watch, from midnight to 3. Jesus says, you're blessed. Now, can you imagine that? Imagine standing before the Lord someday, and we won't need name tags. I'm glad we use name tags at church. It really helps us get to know each other better. And, and so on. Some of you, I know you don't like them, but uh, it does help. It really does. You know, and then after, if you don't know people's name, then after about six months, you're embarrassed to ask their name. You know how that goes, right? And the Lord will not, you won't need a name tag. You know, Grace, Grace Community Church, Terry, what's your name? Yeah, Terry. No, Terry, come here. You know, you, you were looking for my coming. Oh, I just want to bless. Now imagine that. The Lord's saying that to you. He knows everything about you. And he knows how crazy life can be. Ups and downs and nuttiness and who can figure it. Even for people that love the Lord and serve, the lights go out. Whoa, we didn't pay the electric Lights go out. Keep walking. Keep walking my faith. Keep looking for me. And I, I just want to bless you, the Lord says. Jesus saying that in glory. Say, Lord, it wasn't me. No, it wasn't you. It wasn't, but it was you. It was me and you. I mean you both willing and able to do it. I formed your lips. I mean, I formed everything about you. I was thinking that this week with faith and surgery, you know, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, have you really thought about it? You know, look at your hands. I went to basketball camp. They recommended I go out for wrestling, but I did go there, and they were talking about passing the ball. They had some NBA players, Sam Jones. Some of you remember him from Boston Celtics? He was good. Your hands, capable of 10,000 positions. They're an engineering marvel. Have you ever really looked at your hands? You think you made your hands? Do you think that you needed hands and they just kind of sprouted? Thank you for that. Yeah, I got land for you somewhere, if you think that. I mean, if you really looked at it, God has made us fearfully and wonderfully. He's ordained all the times. He's ordained our bodies and the way we're made. As we come to understand what God has made and work within the laws that he made, think of lift like airplanes within gravity and countering gravity, the shape of a wing, and molecular movement in the body or the eyes. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Healing, you know? Wow. Air, air pressure. You know, they discovered in the Milky Way galaxy a star so enormous it's the size of the elliptical orbit of the earth. It is gigantic. I think it might be heaven. I don't know. I don't know what you think about that. It might be hot, but I don't know how the Lord's going to work all that out. <laughs> it's gigantic, and it's in the Milky Way. Milky Way is one of billions of galaxies. That's a B. Billions upon billions. God is great, glorious. He's wonderful. We are to be constantly on the look for our master, our creator, for someday is going to come, and we are going to give an account of ourselves. Constant watching, constantly. One time I had occasion to be down in uh, Kokomo, Indiana, and a friend of mine had been an Air Force Academy graduate. And he uh, he was a great pilot. He flew he flew the uh, the A ten Warthog. And he was able to get me clearance. So he was able to sit, actually, in a, an A-10 war, war uh, hog. It's kind of that ugly plane, the low-flying plane. It's a tank. It, uh, it was the counter the Russian tanks there in Europe and all that kind of thing. It really sits on a cannon is how they designed the thing. He's, uh, Phil, Phil said, I, don't ask me anything because uh, I, I could tell you, but, you know, I'd have to kill you. I can't tell you with any. It's all top secret. But while I was there, I looked around, and I said, what are those huge planes over there? He goes, uh well, we share the base with another command. I guess those those in the military, forgive me, I don't know all the words. But I said, well, what is it? He said, that's part of our strategic force that is always flying to watch the Soviet Union in the nuclear threat. There is always, they are always in the air they have been in the air for decades, and I think of Nikita Khrushchev, I'll bury you, and all that that came out of that whole thing, and probably prior. That whole command is always vigilantly on the watch. Oh, that's amazing. That's a lot of jet fuel to keep things like that floating, the eyes and ears to protect the uh, unwelcome advance of missiles and nuclear bombs and all that kind of stuff That was the threat more so in that day, although we still have it, of course. And I thought of that with this. A great example of watchfulness, and I'm thankful that our government and the Defense Department, in that case the Air Force, watching for our protection. And now it's over. I don't think they still do that anymore. I think they they retired that command. Are they still doing it, John? I'm glad to hear that. But we're supposed to still be doing it. Jesus said to the disciples once, could you not watch and pray for one hour? And what were they doing? Sleeping. It's our tendency. So we have to stir it up. Lord, help me in this. Help me to watch. Be looking and waiting and faithful. Not setting a date, but just being busy doing what I ought to do. Now look at C. The shocking thing on this whole thing is Jesus tells them that when he comes, when this master comes to his home and he he puts himself in the parable, and so we can rightfully say Jesus tells them when he comes, he will serve his watching servants a banquet in verse 37. Now that's a really unusual. I mean, we may think of this as a late night fellowship snack with a help. Sitting around the kitchen eating uh, chocolate chip cookies and, and maybe some uh, a cherry turnovers with some hot chocolate. We may, we may get that idea. But I got news for you that those that heard this would have been absolutely astounded for no master would ever exchange his clothes and put on the clothes of a servant, let alone sit down and eat with them. Impossible. They would have been horrified by that. Even that thought. They could not have embraced that. But I'm telling you, this is exactly the picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what he did as the master He came, and he came to serve, to seek and to save that which was lost. He made himself nothing. Remember that in Philippians chapter 2? He made himself nothing. He was verily God of verily God, but he clothed himself as a servant to serve and to give his life a ransom for many so that we might eat and imbibe and enjoy the bounty of his salvation and of his feast that he serves. The marriage feast of the Lamb that he will serve us in the days to come as the Master and the Lord. Wow. Though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor that we might become rich. 2 Corinthians 8-9 And so the master dresses as a servant, and he serves. That's what Jesus did for us. That's what he did for the disciples. He washed their feet. They were aghast at that. And then he gave his life for our sin, for yours and for mine. Well, Jesus is coming again as the Word of God promised. Did you know that almost every New Testament book mentions it? And that there are over 300 New Testament references to the second coming of Jesus. Jesus is coming again. He's coming according to the scriptures. I've given you a couple of them on your sheet. The angels, I remind you what they said on the day of the ascension. They are on the Mount of Olives in Acts one eleven, They said, as Jesus ascended up, and the clouds hid them from their sight at his ascension, and they stood there looking up. I've stood in that very ground looking up. I can imagine with no imagination why they were doing that. I would have been doing that. And the text says in Acts 11, Jesus will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The angels announced that to the disciples that day. The Apostle Paul in that blessed section in First Thessalonians 4.16, that passage that often we refer to the rapture passage, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with a command And the dead in Christ will rise, and those of us who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, with the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage, therefore, comfort one another with these words. And then Jesus' own words. I go to prepare a place for you, John 14. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself, that's where I am, there you may be also. And he also said as he closed the very book called our Bible. Look at that, the very last page of your Bible. You ever see that, how the Lord signs off on that? Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. Here's the final word. Book 66, the last page of God's precious and wonderful book, Revelation 22, verse 12. Behold, Jesus said, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I am coming soon. Well, we might ask, how can we be ready for Jesus' return? How can we be ready How can we do that? Let me suggest a couple of ways. Number one, it means getting right with God by trusting Jesus as your Savior. We're not right by God by nature. We're sons of wrath. We are lost. We are born in trespasses and sin. We are dead to God, spiritually dead. We are dead men and women. There needs to be an interruption to that. There needs to be a new birthing experience. Jesus said, you must be born again. How can you be ready for Jesus' coming? You must be saved. Have you come to a point in your life where you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Some of you have heard me for years, and some of you not. And I don't know the state of your heart, but you must believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord should be saved. You don't have to wait to the end of the service or later in the day. Right now, say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. In the quietness of your heart, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I bow before thee. Do you hear the voice of Jesus calling? He's calling you to repentance and faith. Come to him. Don't delay. Come. This is his word and his voice to you. Come. And if you know him, you say, well, how can I be ready Live for him. Don't put it off. Tomorrow is a very dangerous word. And when a man finally learns it, it's filled with danger. Manana, tomorrow. Don't, today. We have no guarantee of tomorrow. Live for him today. Ask him to cleanse your heart of sin and ask him to to live through you and be a blessing, to love the Lord and to love others through him. Today, live for him. Open the Word of God. When you open the Word of God and feed your soul, it's like opening the door of heaven. Every day of your life, read the book. Let it feed your soul. You will grow in love with Jesus. He calls you. Come and hear and listen. Don't depart from the Word of God. Live for him. It will change you from the inside out, and your life will be fuller and richer and more satisfying, for God made you and me for himself. And so live for him, I say. But second, you say, what's it mean uh, to be ready? It means to have a sense of urgency about sharing the gospel so that others might be ready. You know, the only reason that we really exist beyond salvation is to glorify God by fishing for men and women. That's it. Otherwise God would say, You're safe. Whoop, come to heaven. You're safe. Whoop, come to heaven. Whoop, 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 you know, come to heaven. You know, the only reason we exist as a church Forget all the high theology and all that. Cut right through it. Here it is. We exist for those in the greater community and beyond who have yet to trust Jesus. Now, is that simple enough? We exi- Why does Grace Community Church exist? We exist for this one reason. To the glory of God. For those in our community and beyond who have yet to come to the Savior and be saved. Now, how does that work? Well, the leadership of the church needs to feed the flock. We, we gather here, we sing, we worship, we pray in small group and in large, and, and then what? Then we, well, we scatter. Most of the week we're not here. At least I come here tomorrow. Most of you won't be sitting around here. If you will, I, if you are, i probably got a few questions for you. You know, But we scatter, right? We go about our life and livelihood. And we're to love and honor and serve the Lord and Reach others and pray, God, make me a blessing to somebody. Help me to share Jesus in my life, my attitude. Help me, Lord. I still have a sin nature, you know, uh, and deal with that. And let the love of Christ shine through me, through a track, through a witness, through a testimony, inviting them to come to hear the Lord. People are not ready for the Lord to return. I remember my father, I used to hear this, the preaching on the, the rapture of the church, and for years and years I always lamented because my dad was not saved. I'm like, oh, Lord, come, but but, my dad's not saved. I, can't, I don't want to see him in, in the thought of him being in the hell fire forever and ever and ever. Oh, Lord, I, I don't know how to handle that. So I just prayed and prayed and prayed, and finally the day... Uh, God opened his heart. And God, ha- listen, you don't. You don't convince anybody. You don't convince anybody. Will you give yourself a break on that? You're not eloquent. You're not brilliant enough. You're, not- You're speaking to dead men and women, spiritually dead. You know, we talk about in our country separation of church and state. You know, You ever think about that? People really don't want that. They just want separation from God. They hate God. Just don't bring God up. It's not separation of church. Just get God out of here. Expel him out of everywhere. Stamp him out. People are dead. They are part of a black, dark domain, Satan. And God wants to use us. And so we're men and women of eternity, and we circulate in the same place, some headed toward the celestial city of heaven, the great majority wide and broad to the place of punishment and wrath. And God wants to use you and me to connect with others and to be a blessing. And I pray that in that, that little song that I find myself singing a lot, people need the Lord. I sing that in the shower, I sing that when I drive. It reminds my narrow tunnel vision heart. I get going about my, going to the store, doing this, and I, I don't see people. And I need that kick in the pants and that reminder. Well, if I need it, we all need it, right? people need the Lord. And the third, and this is probably the emphasis here, how how do we get ready for the Lord's return? It means devoting our lives to Christian service. Every one of us are in the ministry. Every one of us, we go like, oh, the professional ministry, that's the pastor. Well, we know what we mean by that, but that's really unbiblical. Every one of us are in the ministry, and the job of the pastor teacher is to help equip the saints so that they can do the work of serving Jesus. You look healthy sheep reproduce. Have you ever thought about that? They reproduce. Ones that are not healthy and rather decrepit do not. And so uh, that's a problem. Say, Lord, use me. Another metaphor. Can I do it? It's a link of a chain. Here we are 20 centuries later. Someone has shared the gospel, shared the gospel. It's like a link in a chain. And now you... Heard the treasure of the gospel, God opened your heart, and you said, The Lord saved me of all my sin. He died on the cross. And I say to you, don't let the chain end with you. Add some links onto that. Do that. Write down some names in your Bible, people you work. And, and, and look, can I give you a tip? If you if you work with some that are really annoying, maybe that's God's call to you that He's calling you to give them some attention. Say so like, I want to avoid them at all costs. You know, you know how that is. No, none of you do. None of you know what that's like. I know that. All of us do, right? And maybe that's God's call. They need to be saved. Do you really love them? You know, do you really, they're really annoying, aren't they? They really say bad things about you and painful, hurtful things and cut you off in some way. Maybe it's in the office, maybe in the neighborhood, maybe in your family, maybe at school, right? There are a few people like that. Yes, there are. That's what we were like. And God is changing us, so we're not like that, right? (laughs) I hope. (laughs) But uh, write their names, though, and pray for them. You'd be surprised how your heart, you'll end up loving them. You will. Oh, yeah, they're a pain in the butt. But, uh, you know, the Lord's given me his love for them. And you might be the link in a chain to them. Wow. We're in the ministry. Wow. Wow. Watch. So the first parable, we are to be watching for his return. That's how we're ready. But quickly, he gives a second, which builds off the first, the second parable, urging us to be ready for the second uh, coming of Jesus. As Christians, we must be faithful stewards. That means a manager. That's what we are. Faithful stewards, serving Jesus as we look for his return. I remind you, faithfulness is the measuring stick. It's not the huge Americans like big, don't we? All oh, big. We're enamored by glitz, big, wow, pizzazz. Oh, man. Look at the uh, halftime show of uh, the Super Bowl. Holy macaroni. What, what is that? <laughs> Sometimes I wonder. I wonder how they'd get that all set up so fast and all that went on and that. And what, what, I thought this was a football game, right? But Americans well then, goes all around the world. Glitz and show and all of that is not it. Is faithfulness. You know what faithfulness is? It means doing what you need to do when you need to do it and with the right motive. Dependability. Faithful. That's the yardstick. It's not bigger, better, best. This can be. It might be. might not be, though. It might not be. How about the missionary who works in Muslim countries? And I've known some of them. They've worked for years and years and years to get one single convert. What do you think the Lord thinks of that? What's the matter with you? You're, you're a flunky. You shouldn't quit missions. You think so? I thought God saved. You think so? I, I think faithfulness. That's what Jesus is saying. How should you watch and wait in this in-between period? Be watching. I'm coming. Be faithful. Keep doing what you need to do. Stay by the stuff. Faithful, faithful, faithful. That's the measure. That's the measure faithfulness. I own it all. It's all mine. Your days, your time, your body. I own you. I've saved you. Every dime, every moment, every talent, everything you have, everything. Every, it's mine. You're a manager of it. We've been talking about that at Men's Fraternity a little bit with Solomon's writings uh, as we've studied um, King's, the book King Solomon from 1 Kings chapter 1 uh, kind of the rise of, a, of this man, and then his utter fall, you know, what happened to this guy? What absolutely happened? And the wealthy, wealthy, I mean, he made silver, silver was so plentiful, it was like nothing. Gold was pouring in. What happened to it? Uh, and, and, and so on. And yet we were, we were reminded that when he died, he died absolutely poor. All of that was not his to keep. It was his to use as a manager. And the same thing in large ways and small with each one of us. And we as Americans at this period of time live like kings by just read some history. Warm showers, flush toilets, just think about it. Go down to the basics. All right? Grocery stores loaded with food. Wow, kids think that's where it comes from. Ease, ease of travel. You know, you read some of those pioneer books not too long ago, how they crossed the United States. People died, disease. We go down there, we get annoyed if we have to take off our shoes at BWY because I got to get to LAX, you know, in the next three hours and a half. Unbelievable, communication. And we live like kings at everything we have, every dime, every moment in time. Time is the most precious thing. Have you come to grips with that? Billy Graham said that not too long ago. In fact, they just put Dr. Graham in the hospital again. He's fighting pneumonia at 93, I think. He said, now I've lived all this time. I've come to realize that the most wonderful thing that God gives us out of all of it, all of it, is time. And I'm just about out. And he's right. So what will you do as a manager of your time? Will you serve the Lord Jesus He's calling for us to be faithful stewards in our homes, our marriages, to labor in our church family. We need, we need workers in our church and work with the children behind the scenes and audio and music and kitchen and, and all these things. We need work. But then when we leave during the greater part of the week, we still are in the service of the King. Faithfulness, faithfulness. That mother who's washed. Uh, That dish for the 1,000th time with the joy of Jesus in her heart. That's faithfulness in her home. That's faithfulness. We're changing a million diapers and all of that. You know, like, what kind of life is it? Faithfulness. I do it under the Lord. Faithfulness. Watch. Faithful. Watchful. Faithful. That's what he's saying here. This is the word of Jesus. Can you hear it? Paul's question turns the whole, uh, it's the hinge that turns. Is this for us? That's a great question. Uh, Jesus answers him indirectly with a second parable. And again, the Lord is praising this steward for his faithfulness. He's given responsibility to manage the master's house. Think Joseph when you read that. That was Joseph. He was a servant, but he was given charge over the whole house. And by this, Jesus tells that we watch for his coming. And as we do so, we're to be faithful doing our work for him. And if so, Jesus will pronounce a blessing upon us in glory. In verse 43, actually, Jesus promises a promotion. Do you like promotions? Not bad. You got promoted. A lot of times we say that at Christian funerals. Well, they were promoted to glory. And really, that's the truth. But Jesus is talking about something else here, that if we're faithful over the real little things... That we'll be given great promotion over many things throughout all eternity as we administrate the governance of God, whatever and all that is and looks like, forever. Just because we've been faithful down here with these little things, he goes like, I'm going to give you like a hundred earths. You're going to oversee those for me." Wow. I'm not worthy. I know you're not. That's what he's talking about. You see? And so we live for another day. We live for another day. We live for heaven, for the final review of the Lord. The principle is is that faithful servants gain their master's reward. That's true here. It's going to be the true and absolutely true in heaven. Everything belongs to God, everything. He is the owner of it. And really, it's only on loan to us. We are called to exercise good stewardship using all for the glory of God, for the sake of the gospel. However, not every servant, verses 45 and 6, uh, is faithful. There are those that are unfaithful. And a lot of times the deception, Jesus tells us, is, is the unfaithful servant thinks that he has plenty of time, that mañana, that tomorrow. Well, he's, the master's not coming for a while, so we get sloppy. And you know, we're not diligent. We're not vigilant. We're not like the United States Air Force said, Grissom Air Force Base, watching for the enemy. In this case, watching for the Lord. And and so Jesus says that he's guilty of gross negligence. This uh, unfaithful uh, manager is abusive, he's drunken, he's a gluttonous disgrace. He forgot the day of reckoning must come, and it's coming. And so the Lord is calling us to do whatever humble service faithfully. To do it faithfully, whatever we have the ability and and the opportunity to do it, for time is short. It's short. Make the most of it. Live it to the max. You'll sleep better at night. You'll love better during the day. And at the end, if you look back, you'll smile and say, Lord, it was worth it. Thank you. You have saved a crumb like me and made my life count for something, not nothing. You know, a lot of people, their lives count for nothing. You live know, for self, it'll be a big fat zero, and less, and then you'll regret. But live for Jesus, and you'll smile, and you'll be blessed, and you will be a blessing as you give your life away. Live in such a way to give your life away. That's not preacher talk. That's what Jesus calls us as his disciples to do, to be faithful in the stewardship of what he has given to us. We can do that today. Tomorrow, we may not. We could get a stroke. Uh, We could have an accident. We could just read the paper and find out what's happening. Old Ironside used to say, I read the Bible to see what God did and what he's going to do, and I read the newspaper to find out what he did today. And that's the way it is, isn't it? We're called to be stewards and faithful and not to be guilty of gross negligence. For Jesus will, will dole out severe punishment for this kind of servant. People don't like to think about that. They like some sort of Santa Claus, God in the sky. But when you look, look at, at verse 46 here again, And the master of that servant will come on that day, and this is Jesus putting himself into the parable, and when he does does not expect him at an hour, he does not know, and will cut him in pieces. I never hear that much from the Jesus, God is love camp type people. Jesus is going to come and hew into pieces. Now, I don't know if it's figurative. Could be, and we speak that way, don't we? We'll say sometimes, like when we really blow it at work, he said, when my boss finds out what I did, he is going to kill me. Is that the hyperbole he's speaking? It could be. It could be. We don't, we don't know. The, you, the minimal that you walk away from this is, is that the, 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 the steward, the manager who knew better, who was not faithful but was negligent, will be severely punished. At least you can say that much. What that'll look like, I don't know, but he's cast over there with with the unfaithful. Probably it demonstrates he was not a believer and cast into the lake of fire forever. These are the words of Jesus. They are incredible. And and if you didn't get it, he goes on to say it even more uh, as he talks about the day of judgment for those who do not use faithfully the gifts and abilities that they've been given charge over. Such ones are not faithful in serving Jesus. They're not ready for his return. Hewed into pieces. You ever, you know, we'll, we'll sing the song. Get it somewhere here. Maybe it's over here. Nope, that's not it. Oh, here it is. Everybody gets nervous. I come down in front here like that. I, I was thinking of the Battle Hymn of the Republic. We love that song, that March song. like that. But you ever, ever catch the words on that song? It's a powerful. I, I, on, on YouTube, I looked at it yesterday. It had the uh, United States military uh, playing and singing. Oh, I was like, whoa. But the words are glorious. Uh, Ju- Julia Howell wrote them in 1862. She wrote it after uh, visiting a Union uh, military camp, the Army uh, Northern uh, Uh, Virginia camp outside of D.C. and saw all going on during 1862 during the Civil War. And she wrote, My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. You get the idea? He's stomping, crushing, severely dealing with. He has loosened the fateful lightning of his tremble swift sword his truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. But notice the, the stanza. I have seen him in the watchfires of a hundred circling camps. They have built at him an altar in the evening dews and damps. I can read his righteous sentence by the dim and flaring lamps. His day is marching on. I have read a fiery gospel writ in burnished rows of steel. As you deal with contenders, so you my grace shall deal. Let the hero born of woman, that's Jesus, crush the serpent with his heel, since God is marching on. He has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. He has sifted out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet, our God is marching on. And then that last stanza, don't you love it? In the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea. With a glory in his bosom, that transfigures you and me. As he died to make men holy, let us die to make them free while God is marching on. Glory, 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 hallelujah. Well, finally, we see as we're run out of time, judgment will be, in verses 47 and 8, according to knowledge. It is a principle of Scripture that everyone who has been given much, much more will be expected. Much more will be expected. And we have been given much. I have been given much. My family, my wife, my education, my teachers, my church, my country, our freedoms, much health, strength, daily, all of this. It is a principle of judgment. He who has been given much, much more will be expected and will be dealt with by the Lord himself at the judgment. Wow. Well, ready or not, can we say it? Ready or not, Jesus is coming. Let's close with uh, lessons for our life. and We'll sing a song and we'll be gone. Number one, if you are a Christian, everything in your life is, a, is about Jesus. Everything. As you live for him, serve him. Look for him. Live for him. Serve him. Look for him. That's what it's about. It's not a tack on. It's not a Sunday morning. It's not, it's not that. It's not. It's not. Sometimes I wish, in some ways, there was more pressure to be a Christian in our culture. There is pressure, and there is a turning in the wrong direction, but not to the shedding of blood. It has a tremendous purifying effect upon the church, and it has a tremendous way of refining what's important and what's not important, and most things are not important. Living for Jesus is. Number two, ask the Lord to use you for him. Then go for it. Say, Lord, here I am. I'm watching. I want to be faithful. Use me, Lord. You've given me some gifts, some abilities. Use me in the church, in areas of ministry. Let me hound them until their leadership, till they put me into whatever. And outside, Lord, all week long, make me a blessing. May I connect. May Jesus be seen in me. May I deal with this once and for all, living for Jesus, what I want to do. Ask the Lord. He'll answer that. Number three, when you think about Christmas, and we're soon moving into that, remind yourself, when you look at the trees and you sing the songs, a little town of Bethlehem, or we three kings, he came once. He's coming again. Use that as a springboard. He came once. He's coming again. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. Number four, Remember Jesus' warning in the last part of this whole section where much has been given. Much is expected. Remember that. Build your life accordingly and be a wise steward. He is no fool to give what he cannot keep, to gain what he could never lose. No fool. Do that. Give yourself. Give yourself away. Join faith and I in that. For the ministry of God's precious word. Number five and last, get ready for Jesus' is coming. Get ready. I urge you today, trust him as your Savior. Call upon him. Whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord should be saved. Oh, come and join the family of God as we make our way to the celestial city. Come, come. Jesus is coming. Again, Father, thank you so much for this glorious text. Thank you for the warnings, the instruction. Thank you that you work within us to make us both willing, both to will and to do of your good pleasure, and transform us and us as a church and our nation. We ask that, Lord. Help us, Lord, to commit right now, today, afresh, to looking for your return and living in light of it every day single day. We love you so, in Christ's name. What a blessing to have been here today. And um, this song should be something easy for us to sing. Okay? It captures our hearts. It puts us into an exalting mindset. Let us stand and exalt the name of Jesus Christ, and then we'll be dismissed. We exalt you. We Solve the key.